Welcome to Joshua Space. On this episode, I had the wonderful pleasure of interviewing Jenny Dewis, the author of the Divide series. If you have not yet read it or added it to your TBR, I highly recommend you do because it is absolutely phenomenal. Before we get started with today's interview, I did want to mention if you do wish to support me and my podcast, there are a couple ways you can do so. The first is joining my Patreon. It's only $5 a month. You'll get the official and unofficial updates of my podcast, first access to many interviews, exclusive access to several giveaways for advanced reader copies and finished copies of books. And starting next month, you'll also get extended episodes of my podcast. The second way you can support me is if you do decide you want to buy any of the books by the authors I interview, you can do so by clicking the link to bookshop.org, going to my list and purchasing it directly through there. The nice thing with bookshop.org is 80% of all the money you spend is going directly to independent bookstores. Without further ado, let's go ahead and listen in on today's interview with Jenny Dewis. I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much for joining me this morning, Jenny. Thanks so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. Before we get started talking about The Last Watch, do you want to describe, I know it's your favorite thing to do, but do you want to describe what The Last Watch is about? Yeah, so this is always one that I have fun with because I say something different every time and it's never adequate, but we'll try. Um <laughs> So I like to pitch it as uh, Battlestar Galactica meets the Night's Watch from Game of Thrones in space. Um, it's about a crew of sort of banished soldiers who are existing on the edge of the universe and they're there to sort of keep watch and make sure that a ancient alien threat um, doesn't return. Then the universe starts collapsing um, <laughs> and things go downhill from there, you know? you know, the usual. <laughs> so how did you first come up with the idea of the universe starting to collapse in on itself? So there's, it's actually from a song lyric. There's a song called The Highwaymen um, by a group called The Highwaymen. Um, I think it was written by someone named Jimmy Webb, though, who's not any of them. Um, but the lyric goes, I'll fly a starship across the universe divide. And um, there's a whole stanza and it's Johnny Cash's stanza and I love him. So I was always obsessed with that song. Um, and I just, I had heard that song a million times and I just heard it one day while I was driving in the car and I was like, huh, like, what does that mean? And I just kind of started expanding on what I thought that could look like or what like he really meant by that. And um, the idea of just like there being this border of the universe got into my head. And then like, what if you went beyond that, what happened? Um, or what if you couldn't go beyond it, what would happen? Um, so it kind of just grew from that point. Um, but yeah, it was that original song lyric that really kicked it into gear. Okay. So was that like the original idea of the book itself? Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. Are there any other songs that have influenced the book in any way then? Oh, so many. <laughs> um, music, I would honestly say is my like number one inspiration when I write. Um, I have tons of playlists um, with tons of songs. I have very curated Pandora playlists that help me discover new songs, which is great. And I actually have um, playlists, like public playlists on Spotify um, for people. The links are on my website. Um, so you can kind of see from those the main songs that I would say inspired a lot of the things. Um, but they're much longer than what's actually on there. Those are just curated down to be like a reasonable number of songs. <laughs> Not too overwhelming then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you more of a 
pantser or planner when it comes to writing? This is a very good question that I wish I knew the answer to. Um, (laughs) I was a pantser. I pantsed the first book in this series, The Last Watch. I didn't know what I was doing at the time. It was my second book I'd ever written. um, And I had pantsed my first book. And then I just dove right into the second book. um, The second book being the first book of the Divide series, The Last Watch. Um, You know, the first line that you've probably read (laughs) was the first line. It was the first words I put down (laughs) on the page. (laughs) I feel like that's really what caught my attention when I decided to pick up The Last Watch. Yeah. I was not expecting it. I remember, I, I specifically remember I had bought the book. It looked amazing. And I was like, I'm going to give this a try. And like most of my books, it sat on my shelf for a couple months. And I was like, I need to read this book. So I decided to get it. And I decided it was a fantastic idea to do a TikTok live stream and read the first couple pages via live stream because I was, I forget what I was doing. I think I was reading like the first few pages of a few different books. And without thinking, I just started to read it. And then I realized what I was reading. And I was like, hold on. <laughs> just hold the phone. Whoops. It's not too bad. It's not, it's not too bad. But like, I just, I was very much not expecting it. And if you just read, I'm going to read the first line because I feel like whoever's listening to the podcast will appreciate it. Because I feel like it's so open-ended, you don't really know where it's, what direction it's going until you read the next couple sentences. And you're like, oh, okay, this makes sense. (laughs) I am reading a science fiction novel. (laughs) The first line in chapter one says, spread your legs and bend over. (laughs) What made you decide, did did that just come about randomly? Or did you specifically say what's like, because that, I mean, that is literally a, what's the word, the phrase like hook, line and sinker or whatever Mm -hmm. it's very much that grabs your attention immediately yeah you know I don't know where it came from honestly like I'm not even really a fan of raunchy humor like at all um (laughs) but I think I was I was in the mindset I had written my first book which was like a post-apocalyptic about like a virus that had killed most of humanity you know I was ahead of my time (laughs) (laughs) predicting the future I see (laughs) yes but I had recently played fallout 4 so it was just kind of on my mind and I was like I had written a fan fiction that had like been fairly popular so I was just like I'm gonna try to write my own book so I just like fell right into a post-apocalyptic and it was fine but anyways so I had written that and I had like workshopped it with a lot of beta readers and stuff and like learned so much and rewritten stuff and um i did what like a query letter boot camp so like the query letter you would write um to send to agents um to you know get them to shop your book to editors um i did like a boot camp on a site called scribophile.com is where i got all my beta readers and my critique partners and stuff like that and they were just running it at that time so i had done that and i so i was really in the mindset of like okay, how do you make what you've written commercialable or palatable to agents and things like that? So I had been learning a lot about that at the time. Um, And I had decided to shelf that book. Like I never sent it to agents or tried to do anything with it. I just set it aside and was going to move on to my next book. So I was really cognizant at the time of like, okay, like there's so much emphasis placed on the first chapter and how important it is to hook not only agents and editors, but eventually readers. So I was just kind of like sitting there and I don't know how it got into my head, but it just came out of my fingers. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, that's catchy. Um, <laughs> Moving on. And I was just like, oh, you know, I was of the mindset of like, you know, I'm going to have my beta readers and my critique partners read this and they're going to tell me like if they like it or if it's too much or whatever. So I just kept going and I just pants the book out and um, they all loved it. Like 
everyone responded positively. And I was surprised because I was like, you know, I'm going to, I thought it was going to be this divisive thing where some people are going to think it was super funny and some people are going to hate it and think that it was like way too far and universally loved <laughs> by literally everyone. <laughs> so then, you know, fast forward like three years till, you know, the book's going to come out and I'm like, I'm messaging my editor like it's not too much, right? It's good, right? <laughs> I'm still worried about it at that point. And she's like, no, it's perfect. Like, we're not changing it, no way. <laughs> so, you know, it was good. But yeah, it's definitely something I worried about and like thought about a lot. But it, it's just because so much is placed on that first chapter as far as like, you know, like you said, you opened it, you saw that line and you were like, okay, yeah, we're reading this book. <laughs> so it seems to have worked out. You know, if anyone is put off by that level of humor, then they're probably not gonna be my biggest fan anyways because i swear a lot and you know there's a lot of other <laughs> stuff happening so it's it i think it worked out okay <laughs> so how long did it take from when you first came up with the idea and you started writing to having the book finished at least edited to a certain point of where it was done and you were starting to, the query process so yeah, I started writing it in August of 2016, and I remember to write the initial draft, it took me right up until Christmas of that same year, because um, I really wanted to have it done for Christmas so I could go home, see my family, not have to worry about it. Um, and then I, you know, I made it beta readers problem for the next uh, pretty much entire year. Um, I worked on editing it, workshopping it. Um, I kind of took my time with it, you know, it I could have probably rushed it out faster, but I really wanted to make sure I was getting it into good shape. And um, I really thought it had a lot of potential. So I wanted to like put my best foot forward as far as all that. Um, and I believe I started querying, I was still sort of editing it, but I decided it was ready to query in June of 2017. Um, so I got an offer from an agent, which I actually turned down because we just didn't really have the same vision for where the book could go. And then I waited another full six months, which made me very anxious because I was like, I had an offer that I turned down. What did I do? Um, but then my agent came up and I think that was March of uh, 2017 that um, I got her. And then it didn't take too long for... Um, I'm trying to think of, I remember signing the contract. It was also in December. So that must've been December of 2018. Yeah. Um, so it was like, you know, had my agent in March, had a contract signed in December and then went into a very long production process. Um, <laughs> cause big five long production process <laughs> until it came out in yeah April 2020. So, okay. So was the production process just a matter of like working all the details and the editing and cover and everything else? Or was there something that kind of just happened to make it longer? Part of it is just that with Big Five Publishers, it's a long process to start with. But part of it for me specifically was that they had bought the first two books and they wanted to try this rapid release schedule um, that they're kind of still experimenting with now um, where the books would come out four months apart. So even though we had like edited and wrapped up the first book within like not very long at all, I still had to, I had not started the second book at all, like at all. I didn't even really know what was going to happen in it because um, <laughs> <Okay>. cancer. <laughs> So I had to, you know, write and go through the entire full production cycle for that book as well, because it would only come out four months after the first one. So it was really, you know, packaging two full books before. So that's why it was kind of longer than it, what an average cycle would be. Makes sense. It's a lot of work, too. For sure. Yeah. There's a lot of stages that it goes through with a bunch of different editors, which is great because I like to like 
catch all the little things and <laughs> try not to have too many typos, but there's always some that sneak through. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, and you know, still have a full-time job and like doing, you're just doing that on the side. So it's like, it just, it takes a while, but I'm grateful that they give you that long. Cause you know, if they're rushing you, then you're not really gonna give your best artistically when you have to like panically <laughs> get something done. So. Yeah. You're able- you had enough time to polish the gem completely to how you liked it. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So are they still planning? Because you had mentioned they're still working, like they're still trying to do the rapid release. Are they going to continue doing that with all of your books, do you think? Or are they going to start to slow it down a little bit? I don't know if you can say anything on that. It's a good question. I, I would almost like to s- not necessarily slow it down but like stop doing the two books in one year maybe um it's just like a lot like it like knocked me out in 2021 like I mean of course there was also all the extenuating circumstances of just like life in 2021 was a lot (laughs) um but yeah having you know your debut come out and so much build up to it over the course of almost like two and a half years basically since I signed the contract you know like that's a lot of like anticipation and build up and waiting and wondering how people are going to take it and then it's like it hits you all at once and then you know it barely stops before four months later the next one comes out (laughs) and of course the second book release is never as like big of a deal as the first book but you know there's still a lot going on and I was still working full-time and like you know it's just it's a lot but I had saved a lot of my PTO so I was able to take um, quite a lot of time off and really like enjoy it at least the weeks surrounding when it came out Um, and it went perfectly I have no complaints at all Um, and this next cycle which will be a you know, my book in a different series. And then the third book in the divide series, they'll be more like six months apart. So it's a little farther. Um, but they just like to capitalize on that, like momentum, especially in the social media age where it's like, you know, things, you know, are spreading and people are talking about it and they like to like make, so I understand why they do it and I'm completely fine with it. And they're super patient and good about like giving me enough time and asking me if I, you know, if I'm good on schedule or if they need to change things and they're totally willing to shift stuff around if they need to. So, you know, I have no complaints in that department. It just, I would rather like have them come out like a little more <laughs> evenly dispersed. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, maybe I don't like maybe having this year basically off will end up feeling really good. And I'll like that. Like I'll have my like book release years and my not book release years and like, maybe that will end up being good. I just don't quite know yet because we're kind of in the middle of it, but yeah. Yeah, it'll be something to look at at the end of next year and be like, do I like that or do I hate that? (laughs) How did that go? (laughs) May I ask what the new book series will be about? Yes, it is called, the first book is called Rubicon. Um, It was intended as a standalone originally, um, but I have kind of seen a way of doing a second and they kind of like that openness to be there so that if it does sell well that they can be like hey you got a second and I'll be like I sure do (laughs) um so we'll see but it would only be a duology I can I can't imagine it being more than two books um but it could possibly be a second that said the first is you know concluded to you know its own conclusion or whatever but it is a I'm even more rusty on this one because I (laughs) I I don't know how many times I've actually pitched it Uh, (laughs) so it is like I think I pitched it in to my editor as what did I pitch it as well she came up with this actually you know live die repeat it was called something else 
something with tomorrow in it but yeah the live die repeat movie that was also called something else um <laughs> that movie meets like old like scalzi's old man's war kind of a situation um so there's you know a soldier who has been resurrected many times and it's about her basically be meeting this getting a new posting um with a special forces unit and she meets this major who like really believes he has a way to stop the war they're fight they have a war with these sentient robots going on and so she's sort of joining forces with him and like sort of doing like a secret campaign of sorts um to kind of try to stop this war so that's a terrible description (laughs) but (laughs) you get the idea there'll be robots there'll be you know more you know, military focused type things. Um, it's a lot more introspective. Not that the last watch isn't introspective, but it's a single POV. It's very internal. Um, it there's a lot of focus on you know dealing with trauma and um, a lot of sort of like heavier themes that are like fewer and heavier themes that are sort of focused more. Where the last watch has like a kind of a lot going on, you know, uh, but not too many of them are dove into this one i see it as more like it's just very internalized that's really the best way i can kind of describe it but yeah it's it's i think it's good i like it a lot (laughs) i never thought it'd sell in a million years (laughs) and when my editor said she wanted it i was like oh my god i like freaked out (laughs) i think that's one of the things like we're using with introspective and how there's a lot of trauma especially like in the divide there are a, there's a lot of things that are traumatic that happen to these characters that we see on the page but also that are alluded to that have happened in the past and i really like the way you're able to have them reflect on their personality and reflect on themselves and kind of see how they can learn from that even if they're not doing that right off the bat it's very much present that they're starting to realize certain things and i really so i'm excited for the new one and the way you're going to do that and focus a little bit more on that that's exciting awesome thank you (laughs) would you consider the the divide series a military science fiction or more of a space opera it's definitely both in different ways like i did an entire panel once on sci-fi subgenres and we were all like none of these like (laughs) there's no hard lines there's no rules everyone has a different opinion on what a space opera specifically space opera is and like it's just kind of hard to to judge but yeah it's definitely both I would say it's more space opera to me in that the military part of it is more of a function of like how the characters are set up and their relations to each other in the world and it, whereas in Rubicon, my next book, that one I would call more of a military um, science fiction. Okay. Um, it doesn't have the like very big scale that The Last Watch has as far as like, can, you know, the obviously the first book of The Last Watch is very contained in setting, but you get this vibe of like this big expansive world out there. Whereas with Rubicon, like you get the vibe of what humanity society is doing and what's going on, but it isn't this like far-reaching you know universally spread situation um so it feels more military in that it's very very focused on like the day-to-day life of these soldiers um so again kind of both but you know probably leaning towards space opera with the last watch and leaning towards military with rubicon i know this is not a fair question which did you have a more fun time writing rubicon or the divide series so far 
Oh, the Divide series. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I have a very tumultuous relationship with Rubicon. Um, <laughs> I love it. I think it's great. Um, in many ways, it is probably better, quote unquote, than the Divide series in certain ways. Um, but it tried to kill me many times. Like, <laughs> it's the book I wrote while I was querying agents and just kind of like existing in this nebulous space of like, am I going to do this author thing or am I not going to do this author thing? And I had so much trouble writing it. And whereas with The Last Watch, I just pantsed my way gladly right through it. And it came out this perfect, like, cherub of a book. <laughs> Rubicon was like, nah, bitch. But yeah, Rubicon fought me every step of the way. Um, I had to basically teach myself how to plot a book um, in order to get past the like the middle point of that book, um, which was good because it's something I need. It's a skill I needed to learn because once you are published, they want to have synopsis of the book that you're going to write next before you've written the book. So you got to learn how to plan. <laughs> um, so I'm glad I went through that and like went through it while I was still querying agent because I didn't like waste time in that way as far as like teaching myself that like on the fly once I was already published. So it taught me a lot of lessons, but it was mean to me in the process. <laughs> um, and the same thing happened when I went through revisions with my editor on it. Like it didn't need a whole lot, you know, like it was very clear to me what it needed, but I just had so much trouble working on it. And I don't know what it is about that book, but like, uh, <laughs> And that was like, gave it to my beta readers. They read it. They're like, this is awesome. It's great. I love it, et cetera. So it, it had the same response as far as the last watch, but I was still like, but is it though? Like, <laughs> I never really believe anybody. So it's going to be a very different experience, like seeing this book get launched out into the world versus the last watch, because the last watch, you know, it's not perfect by any means, but I was a hundred percent good with it like I just was like ready to give it to everyone and I wanted to know what everyone thought about it and you know no problems at all whereas with Rubicon I'm like do we have to publish it yeah <laughs> like what if we never do <laughs> is that an option so like I think it just I don't know what it is I mean I put a lot of like like I internalized like I said it's internalized and it's very personal to me and like I explore a lot of like my own issues and things in it not that I'm not doing that in the last watch but it's just like it's more that's more like a surface level situation whereas I just am diving very deep into these things I had to think a lot about things you know it's just more of like an emo book in that way um so yeah it's 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 an interesting process for sure okay so then let's talk about the last watch I know we're talking a little bit about both but specifically with the last watch which was your favorite character to write? Good question. Um, honestly, I have a blast with all of them. Cavallon's just super fun because his, like, internal voice just comes super naturally to me. Like, not that he's even like me. He's more honestly more like my husband than anyone. <laughs> but, like, I can just, I could write him all day and not have any issues with, like, oh, how would he feel about this? Or how, you know, I, there's no question. I just can, like, crap out a chapter with him super easily um rick's pretty easy too she's a little more like complicated in the ways that i have to kind of like change my mind around to think about her it doesn't come quite as naturally um but honestly i have a blast with all of them for different reasons i had a lot of fun like coming up with their different character voices and then like seeing them play against each other and it's just super fun for me to write that stuff like I feel like I'm writing fan fiction for my own stuff so <laughs> it's never like a chore to write this series at all 
That's awesome. So was, because you mentioned Cavallon's kind of the way he is, is a little bit like your husband. Is Cavallon, is he inspired by your husband in a sense, like his character and some of the his mannerisms and things like that? Not intentionally. Okay. <laughs> um, it was kind of a situation where I just kind of wrote him um, and my husband read the book and was like, so I'm Cavallon. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I did that, huh? And obviously there's some differences, but it is it is probably like very much inspired. Just like when I was writing it, I didn't realize Mass Effect was like inspiring my every move. But after a critique partner was like, so Mass Effect. And I was like, yeah, I did that. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> it's the unintentional things subconsciously. Yep. So you mentioned book three. And you mentioned, so next year we have Rubicon and the third book in the Divide series. How many books would you ideally want the Divide series to be? So ideally at this point, I would say um, I would like it to be at least four for this sort of like main arc of the series. Um, I mean, I will write the fourth book no matter what my publisher says. (laughs) I'm assuming that it will probably work out that they will end up wanting it, hopefully. Um, if the petition needs to be signed, you just send it my way. <laughs> copy that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I would say four for this main arc, but that there, I have a lot of ideas for, like, other series arcs that I could do within that same world. So, like, you know, things that either happen in the past or happen after this main arc, even possibly immediately after, even with the same characters. But I wouldn't necessarily call them the divide series like i feel like that series will be four originally it was five if i kind of thought of it as five as far as you know i didn't know what i was doing though i was a pantser i had no clue (laughs) um so when i pitched the next three books because i had one and two were out and then it was time for um what they call my option to come up so i had written like vague synopsis for the third fourth and fifth books um and i gave it to my editor and her and the um, publisher came back and were like cool but what if (laughs) the third and fourth book were the same book and I was like can it be a really long book (laughs) and they were like sure (laughs) and I was like cool I'll try it so then I you know took those and kind of mashed them together and in the end I think it was definitely the right call um you know it eliminated some things that just would have been filler would not have nest you know might have been interesting world building but that just weren't necessary to convey what needed conveyed um and then that way this sort of you know it ended at kind of a better spot you know i won't say what for spoilers but <laughs> it just ended at a more opportune spot and then the fourth book can you know sort of bookend everything um so yeah we'll see hopefully four okay I I like the idea that you have with doing more in the universe, not necessarily the same series, but kind of, I love when book series will, or like just books in general will connect with each other, even if it's different characters, different time era, like eras, but they all kind of connect together, at least in the same universe. I think that's awesome. Um, I do have a question about that. In the past or the future or present or whichever uh, tense, would you ever consider writing more about this specifically the alien species from their point of view and how things happened or will happen. Yeah, I think I definitely would um, consider that it's sort of one of my ideas is to do a longer series about the, the, so basically there's a war that happened, you know, 10 years ago, nine years ago, and then a war that happened 
um, 200 years ago and had lasted for a thousand years before that. So I could see doing sort of series in both of those wars and those would be very sort of diff different. Obviously humanities at very different stages in those points. So um, it could be interesting to do both. And I could see in either kind of having that, you know, different species perspective. And in the previous war, you know, there were even other species involved. So even having, you know, those perspectives could be super cool as well. So yeah, I just, it makes my brain super excited to think about all this stuff. <laughs> so many possibilities. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of why, like I, I started a Patreon um, shortly after my second book came out because I just was like, had all these ideas for like writing basically so like the soldiers that are the the most main characters in the books um all have like a reason that they were sent out to this posting at the edge of the universe um and they're hinted at you know some are more explicit than others um but i wanted an outlet for like telling those because those would never really be things that for secondary characters are going to come up in the main novels um so i was like oh, i'll start a patreon and then i'll write a short story for like each of them about like what got them sent to the divide you know um so i've been having a lot of fun with that i haven't had as much time to do it as i wanted um but i have a couple out and another one coming soon and it's just been super fun and just a super fun place for people to like read and get feedback and like see other stuff about the universe because it is kind of an exciting you know thing to explore is like you know, I have like a wiki and stuff too that I've had a lot of fun filling out because I'm a nerd. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just, it's been really fun to flesh that kind of stuff out and just like make stuff up as I go. Because sometimes, you know, people ask questions like, oh, like what's the thing behind this? And I'm like, well, let me make up an answer as I say it. <laughs> so it's been kind of fun to like do that kind of stuff, but in like a controlled place. So yeah. yeah. So would you ever, I did not know you had a Patreon with this. I'm going to have to join said Patreon. Um, <laughs> would you, do you think you would ever try and get those stories published? Like as like a collection of stories or something? Yeah. So when I started it, I knew that because there's some sort of like gray contract area there. Um, so I, before I even like did any work on it at all, I talked to my publisher um, and basically they gave me the green light to, to do it on Patreon only, obviously. And then the idea is that, yes, eventually if, you know, demand calls for it, we could take those and kind of combine them into like one, I don't know what you would call that collection of short stories. Yeah. The, the lives of the sentences or something. I don't know anything about short stories. <laughs> um, <laughs> except apparently I write them. Well, the series on like the series I have going right now, which is like the backstories, it's called the Sentinel Archives. Um, and then you know, once those run out eventually, which will take me a long time, but once that happens, you know, there's, there's other things you could do that backstory filler that will never make it into the main books, but like explains the backstories of even the main characters or things like that. I really want to write one that is like Cavalon telling Rake's backstory from like his voice and like just making shit up as he does it. <laughs> I think it would be super funny. <laughs> Um, so yeah, someday I, I kind of feel like that is not the kind of thing that would ever actually get published. It could, if anything, they might publish it like on tour.com or like a blog or something like that. Um, but for now it's just, it has to be Patreon exclusive. Like I, I can't put it out any other way, um, which is obviously fine, but people will be like, I can't afford the Patreon. I'm like, sorry, I literally legally can't yeah. <laughs> give it to you. That's nice that they are willing to work with you in that sense though and let you kind of have a little bit of creative control 
in doing what your own thing. Yeah, I was very, very pleased with their reaction to that they were all incredibly excited. Like they, you know, obviously we wanted to work it out and, you know, my agent and them talked and we figured out all of, all of that area of things, but like they were incredibly supportive. My publish, publicity team, you know, retweets stuff when I put it out and they've all, and they're all just very excited and they love the book. So it's just, they've been, tour's been great. They've been awesome to me. So yeah, no complaints. <laughs> That's good. So I know you're writing science fiction. Um, the Divide series is more space opera with some military undertones. Rubicon is very much more military science fiction from what it sounds like. So do you typically read science fiction and space opera military or do you read kind of everything or what's your go-to genres? Um, definitely science fiction, especially since I've started writing just so I can make sure to keep up with, you know, the genre and what's going on with it. Um, I read and have read a lot of fantasy as well. Um, my husband's a huge fantasy buff, so our Audible is full of fantasy books. <laughs> um, so I've had a lot of options in that, <laughs> that regard. Um, but yeah, definitely science fiction and fantasy. I try to, when I, if I read outside of genre, I usually go maybe like YA or something like that, um, but still in genre. Um, not because I don't want to read other genres, but because I'm the world's slowest reader, ironically enough, and I just don't have time to, um, <laughs> especially yeah. now that I get, which is great, but I get a lot of books to blurb. So I'm kind of reading books that just aren't even out yet. And then I am trying to go back and read stuff that is out yet and <laughs> et cetera. So yeah, there's just not enough time in life as usual, yeah. but yeah, um, definitely science fiction and fantasy. So then are you still working? I am. <laughs> Yeah. So what happened with that is that after my second book came out, um, my husband and I talked and, you know, we're very fortunate in that he makes a good amount of money. Um, so I didn't really need to keep working my full-time job. And there were other things happening at that job at the time. Um, you know, we had, they had gotten investors, they were coming very corporatized and it just wasn't like going the direction that I was happy with. Um, so I quit that job and I started doing part-time um, with my husband work doing their social media and marketing. So I was able to kind of have flexible hours and then like, you know, write halftime and do that halftime. Um, I probably could have just quit outright, but we kind of wanted to like be safe, you know? Yeah. Better safe than sorry. Crazy world we're in. <laughs> um, but then uh, this story is crazy. So in, it would have been like the very end of March of this year. Um, do you know who Casey Hudson is? The name sounds familiar, but not off the top of my head. Sorry, I can just tell you. <laughs> so Casey Hudson, who is the co-creator of Mass Effect and the boss of Bioware for a very long time, messaged me on Twitter <laughs> and was like, hey, you want to talk about my new project? And I was like, why, yes, I do. <laughs> what are you talking about? And I had no idea at the time what was happening. Basically, a lot happened really fast, but he had started his own studio. He's looking for writers. He had heard great things about The Last Watch and had started reading it. And, you know, the creative director had read it as well. And like, it just snowballed into this, hey, do you want to interview for to be a writer for video games? And I was like, yes, that is my literal dream job. <laughs> um, so, okay. <laughs> 
Um, so that happened. Um, so I had planned to just keep working part-time and eventually go full-time with writing. But when someone offers you your dream job, you take it. (laughs) So yeah, I am back to full-time working, but I am getting to write a video game, which is freaking fantastic. Yeah. Um, (laughs) so yeah. (laughs) I know it's probably unlikely, but are you able to tell us anything about this video game? Um, not really. It is, you know, it'll be space opera E. um, grand world lots of stuff going on it's going to be super fun i'm very very excited about it um we are kind of in the prototyping phase right now you know i don't know anything about doing video game like making video games um other than like what i've read on like game informer or whatever (laughs) um so they have been super cool about like teaching me stuff and like i'm learning as i'm doing which is the way i learn so it's been perfect as far as like getting in for the prototype phase of things and you know, all my coworkers are amazing and it's been such a fun experience and I love going to work and like, I have to force myself to stop working <laughs> and it's a problem. <laughs> um, but it's actually been great because something that I was noticing while I was working part-time was that it was hard for me to, like, I didn't have that structure of like going to a job and like having times of day that I did things. So I would just like, not really just like, just not do anything. <laughs> Like, be like, oh, I can do that tomorrow. I can do that later this week. And I can lay in bed and watch YouTube for today. (laughs) So I was like being super unproductive, which made no sense because I had so much more time. Um, So I was kind of like trying to navigate that and like some mental health stuff that was going on because 2021. (laughs) Um, And it was just like, I ultimately think that, you know, this random job coming out of nowhere was actually perfect because now I'm back on a schedule. You know, I get up at four o'clock and I write before I go to work so I can write, you know, from, and they're all on Pacific time. So I can write to like nine o'clock basically. Um, so I have a good chunk of time to do my, you know, novel writing in the morning and then I go to work and then I go to bed super early, obviously. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm back to this sort of schedule that is making me much more productive than I was even when I had more time, which seems super illogical, but it's actually working out better than when <laughs> I was working part-time. So I think it's good. That's awesome. I think that makes sense, though, because I feel like sometimes when you're given too much time, you don't know what to do with it. So then a lot of it just goes to waste. Exactly. For me, 2020, the year that shall not be named, I was at work for 14 months because I'm a massage therapist. And obviously, you don't really want to touch people in a pandemic. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That was, I mean, literally, it did not work. So I had nothing to do. And you, it very much became, I have nothing to do. I shall do nothing. There's so many things I could have and should have done. I I mean, at the time it's like, oh, it's only two weeks, only two weeks, but eventually it's like, you know, it's going to be a few months and there's so many things I could have, and I needed to do. And I got stuff done, but when you don't have that structure and you don't have like a time frame, time just eludes you. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> I feel you there for sure. To be fair, taking your time in 2020 and not overdoing things was probably good for better for your mental health than, <laughs> than trying oh, yeah. to do too much. But yes, I, I totally feel you there. It was the same way for me, for sure. Yeah. So backing up just a little bit, because I know you said you read mostly science fiction, uh, some fantasy, and once in a while, little other things, especially when you're doing the blurbs. Do you have a current favorite book? And that's a very difficult question. (laughs) It is. Whenever people ask me, I'm like, um, all the books (laughs) or I completely forget every book I've ever read. And then I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) Um, I usually, 
we'll say Murderbot because it's Murderbot. So it's wonderful, obviously. Yes. <laughs> um, I also like one of the big inspirations for the last watch was Rendezvous with Rama by Arthur C. Clarke. Um, I usually state that as like my favorite classic book. Um, it just has that like sense of wonder that I really like about older classic science fiction whereas you know obviously it's very problematic but if you can like put some blinders on <laughs> and, yeah. and read around that stuff it's <laughs> it, it is very enjoyable for other reasons um but yeah I, I would say if i have to pick it'll it'd probably be just like murder bot as a series yeah. I, I agree that is one of the greats in science fiction in my opinion like that is i love that book absolutely yeah well, thank you very much for joining me on this episode. It was a pleasure to talk with you. Yeah, it was super fun. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this episode with Jenny Dewis, and I can't wait for you to listen to next week's episode with Vera Strange. As mentioned before, if you're interested in purchasing the Divide series or pre-ordering Rubicon by Jenny Dewis, you can do so by clicking the link to go to bookshop.org. And once again, if you do wish to support me, you can do so by joining my Patreon for only $5 a month and getting all the updates about my podcast and so much more.